0: Well, this month, we're going to go and explore just about every element of the Christmas account. We're going to take a, a deep dive into some of the characters whom the Scripture points out were there involved at Jesus' birth, and we're going to explore their lives, and we're going to get, the, get a picture of what they did with, the, with Jesus, and I pray that it'll help you. This morning, guess who we're going to focus on. The title is, Wise Men Still Follow Him. Any, get, any hints there? Any clues? More than a billion people around the planet this morning are going to celebrate the miracle birth of Jesus. A recent poll tells us 80% of Americans surveyed believe the Bible's account of Jesus' birth to be true and accurate. That's an astonishing number to me because there aren't that many people who really profess to be Christians. But whatever it is that the populace hears, they seem to believe that Jesus really was born in Bethlehem, as it says, and all the other things that follow with that. Meanwhile, back at the culture, courts, the ACLU, the mainstream media, the entertainment industry push the Christ of Christmas further and further to the edges of our culture. They don't want to have anything to do with that Jesus. They'll be happy to tell you the myths about Jesus. They'll be happy to tell you the flaws about our faith. But as far as lifting up Jesus and presenting the biblical Jesus to you, uh uh-uh, Why is it that Happy Kanaka and Happy Kwanzaa are appropriate greetings, while Merry Christmas gets substituted by Happy Holidays? And they think they're doing such a great job of distancing themselves from anything Christian, but I guess they just don't know that the words holiday really mean holy days. So no matter how hard you work at trying to push things away from our faith, it keeps coming back. Manger scenes are banned from the public square, Christmas carols are canceled from some schools, and then there are the obligatory exposes of Christ found in TV specials and cable programs. They drag out the liberal or unbelieving scholars who present their various views without any rebuttal. As one scholar puts it, quote, the actual gospel nativities are the part of Jesus' biography which Bible experts say have the greatest sense of uncertainty, even more than the scripture about the miracles, and they hate the idea of miracles, Jesus performed or his sacrificial death. Notice the phrase Bible experts. And remember what the idea there is, that all Bible experts feel that way. Instead of being honest and saying, some Bible experts have problems. Not all Bible experts, it would be good If we were able to say that, we could say liberal Bible scholars think this way. Bible experts who are liberal say it that way. But in order to be accurate and unbiased, reporting would advise the viewer that there are a myriad who are not uncertain about the gospel accounts and have plenty of evidence to support their beliefs in Christianity. We're not a faith without evidence. We're not a faith that doesn't have factual evidence with which to deal. Many skeptics will go on to make their case that the Gospels don't agree. We're going to deal with that in a few moments. They contend the virgin birth is a myth that Jesus was not born in Bethlehem. In fact, they attempted to disassemble every part of the Gospel account, relegating the Bible account of Jesus' birth to something sentimental and naive. question is that response to the biblical account of Jesus' birth anything new? And the answer is no. There's nothing new about what's, what the reactions are to people about Jesus or the gospel. Throughout our text this morning, we'll see that there are three responses to Jesus and the gospel. Number one, hostility. Have you met with any hostility when you've tried to share the gospel with Jesus? People get angry, they don't want to hear. Second, indifference. People just don't care. We deal with a lot of that these days in so many different ways. We don't like our politics, and we don't like our politicians, but how many of us go out and vote? That apathy, that indifference is gonna kill this country. Your apathy and your indifference, if you've got it, is going to hurt the people who are in your sphere of influence, who you indicate you love so much, and you will never share Jesus with them. You're doing in them an eternal disservice. And finally, another reaction to Jesus' gospel is people worship him. They open their heart and are continue and, and, and love the living God. Our text is the account of the wise men. It's found in Matthew chapter 2 and it's verses 1 to 12. Please stand with me as we read that portion of scripture. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When the king shakes, you shake too. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, Art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor, and thou shall, and, and, and he shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily, privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring me word again that I might come and worship him also." That's not the truth. He had other reasons for wanting to know that. 10, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come to the house, they saw a young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return of Herod to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Thanks, you may be seated. Skeptics say Matthew's wise men are a classic case of fish out of water. It's like meeting an Iranian ayatollah in Nebraska. It's time for us to separate tradition from biblical truth. A lot of what you think you understand about Jesus' birth is tradition, and it's not supported by the Bible. For example, we just read that these wise men went to the house to see a young child. They didn't go to the manger as we all depict under our Christmas tree with the manger scene and them there. Once tradition, not biblical. Who were the wise men? We first encountered them in the Old Testament book of Daniel as the King Nebuchadnezzar has a terrifying dream. And he wants somebody to interpret that dream for him. So one of the things he does, he sends for his wise men. And Daniel 2.27 refers to wise men, astrologers, magicians, and soothsayers. People who could speak the future. These wise men were also called magi, is a word you may have heard. Dating back from the 7th century BC, we get the words magic and magician from the word magi. The magi became skilled in a variety of things. Listen, they were skilled in astronomy, science, agriculture, mathematics, history, and magic. They had a completely rounded background in terms of their education. They were among the most influential of officials in the Babylonian empire. Much tradition has risen around the biblical account of the wise men, which is not biblical. Let me give you some examples. The Bible text we just read never recorded that there were three wise men. Did you notice that? There could have been 30 for all we know, but we settled on that in tradition. It's not biblical, it's traditional. The text never said that they were kings. We three kings of Orient are. The text never named them. Gaspar, bathazar Melchior, never named them. The text never said that they got to Jerusalem on camels, but that's how we picture them. The text never said exactly where they came from, but the text did show that they were seekers. They wanted to know something. They were intellectuals in search of something that they had discovered by studying the stars, by looking at the heavens, comparing what they, what they saw with their eyes, and what they thought in their mind to scripture. They put these two together, unlike what our science does, trying to push the biblical account of creation out of the way and the biblical accounts of what God has done and substitute science, which is not really founded on anything but a theory. But they put science and they put the studies that they had mentioned together with scripture study. They had a purpose. Their purpose and their mission was to find and worship the king of the Jews. God says, whoever seeks him will find him. If you're looking to find God, he's not hiding. If you want God to be your Lord and Savior, if you want to know God, he's willing to reveal himself to you. He'll do it in the book. He'll do it by somebody standing in front of you who believes in the book, and you'll see Jesus in the words that this person speaks. The Holy Spirit will, will convict you as to who the Holy Spirit is, uh, to who the Lord is. If you want to find God and you want to know God, he's available to you. He's not. He's not hiding. Jeremiah 29, 13, And you shall seek me, it says, and find me when you search me with all your heart. Anybody who is a sincere seeker of the Lord Jesus Christ will find him. I am satisfied with that. That means if somebody throws a bottle into the ocean down at Coney Island, and there's somebody way thousands of miles away who's asking God to reveal himself, and in that bottle there's a Bible verse, I wouldn't doubt for a minute that Bible verse will land on the beach where that person's walking and praying for some insight into Jesus. Opens up the bottle, and in there they find a scripture verse. It's happened. Their search drove them to ask the question, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Real people have questions. God's not afraid to answer your questions. God's not afraid to deal with your doubts. Some people feel it's just not right to ask questions. Please ask questions. God will be happy to answer them. The answers are found in the book, amen? You've been around long enough as Christians, you know what that means. You know that you have maybe really diligently had a question and you didn't get any answers for a long time, you kept digging and digging in God's word and the answers finally came. You didn't have an answer to your prayers, but eventually those prayers came to be answered one way or another. People have questions then and people have questions today. Uh, Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came to Jesus by night, said, what must I do to be saved? He asked Jesus the question and Jesus answered him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, the Bible says. John the Baptist asked Jesus, imagine the chutzpah of this one. Are you the promised one or should we look for somebody else? And finally, Pilate, the one who condemned Jesus, said, Are you king of the Jews? Everybody has questions. God's not afraid of your questions. God's not concerned about your doubts. He loves you. He's willing to overlook an awful lot, in our case because if he doesn't, we're doomed. The wise men began their search by seeing Christ in creation. They saw a star, and they followed it. Jesus said in Luke 19, 40, that if no one would be a witness for him, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is saying, you can find me in the book, you can find me talking to a believer, but you can also find me, turn over a rock, I'm there. Look out into the heavens, I'm there. You can see my work everywhere around you. If you're, if you're looking at the, a, a baby, you're looking at a miracle of, of God, a miracle of birth. Science that seeks truth cannot turn its back on the evidence for God as designer and creator of all that is. How did the ball of matter that was the universe before the Bing, Big Bang get there? How did that ball appear? Nobody has an answer for that. Only God makes something from nothing. Do you believe that? Only God can make something from nothing. How do we know? Because he did it. You're sitting on one of the, one of the pieces of that big ball after the big bang. You know, for many, many, many years, hundreds of years, science did not believe the universe had a beginning. Ten years ago, they were continuing to say the earth and the universe never had a beginning. You know what they're saying now? It had a beginning. God's word said it 5,000 years ago. It can't be changed. But the words they put in a textbook last year or 10 years ago can be and is by the facts. If you look for God's hand in creation, you'll find his fingerprints on every detail of creation from a single cell to the vast universe. Was the star of Matthew's account a real star? That question comes up. Skeptics doubt it, but whether you study Greek or English, the verse says, star. No one at the time questioned it was a star. They were the ones closest to the event, and nobody questioned it when King Herod heard it. He believed it was a star, and guess what? He flipped out. He knew what the implications meant because he understood, he was being told by, by, by religious Jews that, A star is going to appear when the Messiah comes. It did, and it scared the life out of that bird, and he was willing to do anything that he could do to get rid of Jesus. He was Herod the Great. He was the newly proclaimed king of the Jews. So what did he do? He called in the Scripture scholars into his court, and he demanded in verse 4, where is Christ to be born? And the answer comes back from the scripture in verse 5. And they said unto him, Bethlehem, as it was written by the prophet Micah 700 years before Jesus was born. And here it was, and he had only one reaction. Go out and kill as many young baby boys as you can. A good normal reaction to a dictator, from a dictator, right? If you don't like the truth, cover it over. If you don't like the truth, kill it. If you don't like the truth, make it disappear. Never quote it. Never bring it to anybody's attention. But he did. Think of this, nobody ever questioned at Jesus' time the scripture as a fact. Everybody in this account believed it. And they had no reason to, other than that, the fact that they heard that it was prophesied in scripture, that they believed. Some scholars may not get it but simple bible believers like us we do the four gospels don't disagree in one single point some scholars say the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John don't agree they say they don't say the same thing they leave out key events from the from the book from book to book the four gospels don't agree in one don't disagree in one single point if, they, if the four of them were duplicate books, in other words, what are you looking for? You want four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to say the same thing? Then why would you need to have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John if they all said the same thing? They don't disagree, they fill in various areas because they're looking at Jesus from different perspectives. And what do I mean by that? Matthew is inspired by the Holy Spirit to show that Jesus truly was who he claimed to be, the Messiah. King of Israel, and Matthew emphasizes Jesus' sermons. Matthew. Mark is inspired by the Holy Spirit to show Jesus was the perfectly obedient servant of God, and he emphasized his miracles. That's different. Luke is inspired by the Holy Spirit to present Jesus as the perfect man who, though rejected by Israel, came to save all humankind. Luke emphasized his parables a third difference. And finally, John. John is is inspired by the Holy Spirit to proclaim Jesus as God in the flesh, stressing his deity, and that Christ is both God and man while emphasizing his teachings. They approach Jesus from four different perspectives. And in seeing him through those four different perspectives, they focus in on a different area. So, there's no disagreement and there's no problems. When we read the Bible, when we read the Gospels, we see that they married together beautifully. They interlock and they tell the whole story of who Jesus is, not just a portion. People don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. People reject the Bible because it contradicts them. You think? People don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself or because it contradicts them contradicts the scholars, contradicts the liberals, uh, contradicts the people who don't want to believe. Like the wise men, people are still seeking Jesus. He can be found in the page of the Bible and in the the life of those who follow him. You're a living Bible. You may be the only Bible people ever read. You may be the only Christian somebody knows. You may be the only Christian that they know who really believes the Bible. And the question comes, what are you gonna do about that? People are still asking questions, and people are still looking for Jesus, and you have Jesus in your heart. And I just want to encourage you in this Christmas season, wise people still follow Jesus. Be wise, follow him. When people ask you why you believe in Jesus, give them an answer. Don't be embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. There's nothing to be ashamed about. There's nothing to be intimidated about. Just tell them what Jesus has done in your life, and leave the rest to the Lord. If you do that, I think you will demonstrate that Jesus is everything he promised he would be in people's lives, because you're a microcosm of that. You demonstrate how Jesus can transform a life. And so go out and be like the wise men and follow that star named Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your precious word. Pray a blessing upon it this morning. If there be any here who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that this would be a time to do that. If you don't know Jesus this morning, ask him to forgive you of your sin Tell him you believe that he died for you, that he was buried in the ground for you, and he rose again. And claim him as your Lord and Savior. Ask him to come into your heart this morning. Father, hear the prayer of those who don't know you and encourage those who do. In Jesus' name, amen.